0: A century of revolution had broken down a selfish and narrow aristocracy, but had put no other government in its place. Unemployment, bribery, bread, and circuses had corrupted the assembly into an ill-informed and passion-ridden mob, obviously incapable of ruling itself, much less an empire. Democracy had fallen by Plato's formula, liberty had become license, and chaos begged an end to liberty. Caesar agreed with Pompey that the Republic was dead. It was now, he said, a mere name without body or form. Dictatorship was unavoidable, but he had hoped to establish a leadership that would be progressive, that would not freeze the status quo, but would lessen the abuses, inequities, and destitution which had degraded democracy. He was now fifty-four and surely weakened by his long campaigns in Gaul. He did not relish a war against his fellow citizens and his former friends. But he saw the snares that had been prepared for him and resented them as an ill reward for one who had saved Italy. His term as governor of Gaul would end on March 1, 49. He could not run for the consulship until the fall of that year, in the interval, he would lose the immunity of an office holder and could not enter Rome without subjecting himself to those prescriptions which were among the favorite weapons of party warfare in Rome. Already Marcus Marcellus had proposed to the Senate that Caesar should be deposed from his governorship before its expiration, which meant self-exile or trial. The tribunes of the plebs had saved him by their veto, but the Senate clearly favored the motion. Cato frankly expressed the hope that Caesar would be accused, tried, and banished from Italy. Caesar made every effort at conciliation, when, at Pompey's suggestion, the Senate asked both generals to release to it a legion for use against Parthia. Caesar at once complied, though his force was small, and when Pompey asked Caesar for the return of the legion sent him a year before, Caesar dispatched it to him without delay. His friends informed him, however, that instead of being sent to Parthia, these legions were being kept at Capua. Through his supporters in the Senate, Caesar requested a renewal of the Assembly's earlier decree, permitting him to stand for the consulship in absence. The Senate refused to submit the motion and demanded that Caesar dismiss his troops. Caesar felt that his legions were his only protection. Perhaps he had nourished their personal loyalty with a view to just such a crisis as this. Nevertheless, he proposed to the Senate that both he and Pompey should lay down their commissions, an offer which seemed to the people of Rome so reasonable that they garlanded his messenger with flowers. The Senate favored the plan, 370 to 22, but Pompey balked at it. In the last days of the year 50, the Senate declared Caesar a public enemy unless he should abandon his command by July 1st. On the first day of 49, Curio read to the Senate a letter in which Caesar agreed to disband all but two of his ten legions, if he might retain the governorship till forty-eight. But he spoiled the offer by adding that he would look upon its rejection as a declaration of war. Cicero spoke for the proposal, and Pompey agreed to it, but the consul Lentulus intervened and drove Caesar's lieutenants, Curio and Antony, from the Senate House. After a long debate, the reluctant Senate, persuaded by Lentulus Cato and Marcellus, gave Pompey orders and powers to see that no harm should come to the state, the Roman phrase for dictatorship and martial law. Caesar hesitated more than was his wont. Legally, the Senate was right. He had no authority to name the conditions under which he would resign his command. He knew that civil war might bring Gaul to revolt and Italy to ruin, but to yield was to surrender the empire to incompetence and reaction. Amid his deliberations, he learned that one of his nearest friends and ablest lieutenants, Titus Labienus, had gone over to Pompey. He summoned the soldiers of his favorite 13th Legion and laid the situation before them. His first word won them. "Comilitones." fellow soldiers. They who had seen him share their hardships and perils, who had had to complain that he risked himself too readily, recognized his right to use this word. He had always addressed them so rather than with the curt milites of less gracious commanders. Most of his men came from Cisalpine Gaul, to which he had...